0: Hey, Gluttoniers! I'm Becca. And I'm Gretchen. And it has been a while, but we are back on a quest. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Before we started today, because our topic, topic, this is going to be a fucking fun one, guys. (laughs)
0: This is great.
1: This is going to be awesome. I hope this doesn't turn into the interview episode.
0: (laughs) I know where you go silent. You can't. You have most of the knowledge of this one. So. Okay. Right. So this is consumption part two and we've already consumed mm-hmm. some things. Yeah. So that's why this one might be a little different than usual friends. We, we really, we went in
1: on the edibles. We figure we're talking about edibles. We should do some edibles. And my, my edible is a, well, I did two technically today. So I had, I had a little eighth of a teaspoon of infused olive oil around 1221 p.m., which was <laughs> approximately three hours and 15 minutes ago.
0: Around
1: approximately. Around approximately. You're giving <laughs> very exact numbers. Yeah. I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> The only that i know i wrote it down this is proving my point about writing shit down i also wrote so let's see if i'm fucked up by the time we start recording and the answer is
0: yes yes it but happened
1: <laughs> not from the olive oil the olive oil was fine i did feel a little bit of a buzz from that but i also made some edible cookie dough today which is quite quite tasty i made two versions of it And I consumed the version of it with the non-heated butter. So I did a heated butter version and a non-heated butter because I'm concerned about the potency of my edibles lately. And I thought that I needed that. What I discovered would be a third heating of the cannabis butter to really activate the THC. And I think I've just proven myself wrong because the non-heated butter is the one I'm trying first. I'm a little high. So check on the first... (laughs) Mad
0: Gretchen's experiment conclusion. Did not expect to have an answer that fast. <laughs> I'm going to try to interpret just a little bit of what you said, just in case I wanted to catch up and I luckily know what you've done. What's going on here is Gretchen a while ago made some cannabis infused butter and then she used that to make two batches of cookie dough. And one of them, she reheated that cannabis butter, put that into the dough. The other one, she did not reheat that cannabis butter, butter. And her initial theory had been that the reheated one would be more potent, but it seems like, well, you haven't had the reheated one yet though. So it could be even more. We don't know. We, yet. Yeah, we don't know. But you are really experiencing some endocannabinoid receptor action from the non-second heated butter. We're great. We've got this. We're off to a really good start. Everything's making perfect sense. Thank God
1: you're here to translate for me, Becca. as usual. <laughs> this is like your primary function as part of this podcast is you have to take my weird cannabis laden like ramblings and go, okay, so this is what she actually said Man.
0: <laughs> this is what she meant. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I love it. But it's so interesting. I just want to make sure I understand everything and everybody listening or all of our gluttonyers know all of the steps that Gretchen does before we sit down and record something. She's already done 400 experiments, two or three, but still it feels like 400.
1: Now that I've talked about what I've consumed, how about we ask Becca what she's consumed in edible world today?
0: I have consumed a couple hours ago. I didn't keep track. I think it was about two or three, about 50 milligrams. I do tend to have a higher tolerance with edibles. And so I'm definitely feeling something, but I don't typically get really I don't have a strong reaction very often. So, but I also don't want to be taking like a hundred milligrams of edibles, you know, for a lot of reasons. I also like, it's come a long way, but I always kind of hated having like a big cookie that was like 10 milligrams. And I'm like, I don't want fucking five cookies. I just want like, you know, five little pieces of candy. So I finally found some and they're kind of like a starburst shape Mm -hmm. and size. So pretty small. And then they kind of have more of like a Laffy Taffy consistency. And the flavors were sour apple, caramel, and strawberry. And I felt really special combining the sour apple and caramel, like a little delicious little candy. And one thing though, they don't have, this one edible brand does not have any terpenes in it. It's just THC. And so I'm finding that interesting since I primarily consume through inhalation, through smoking. It's kind of a bummer not to have terpenes and that kind of, I think we've seen it referred to as like the entourage effect endocannabinoid reaction. I'm still really enjoying the response I'm having, but I wish it could be a tiny bit more balanced. It feels a little bit more out of it than i would normally be and that's okay but sometimes i don't i don't always want that
1: i mean i feel like that's that's a goal for later in the day to have that like a little bit more removal from your your consciousness (laughs) right (laughs) and an evening on activity i haven't done a lot of store-bought edibles one of the final points i'll i'll make in this particular section i i've had them because I've had friends who have bought them. For the most part, part I've always made my own, which is nice, because I get to control the dosage. A little challenging, because sometimes you can't control the dosage as well, because it's, I don't know the strength of my own pot. Right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm finding that really hilarious right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. It's
0: more variation in in effect and, and you mean pharmaceutically versus like a homegrown produced edible. And, okay. and especially
1: cause I am also using my own pot. If you're using commercially available
0: cannabis, you're going to
1: have those numbers to compare, like, to be able to calculate out dosage and things like that, which is, I'm going to say it is important, but here's why I pause. Because so little is really known about dosing and for example, I have been a pot smoker longer than you, but I feel like your tolerance is actually higher than mine. I think that,
0: yeah, I would say that's fair.
1: Because Paul gave me a gummy time and it was a 50, I want to say it was either a 50 or 25 milligram gummy, but he gave me half. He eats a whole one. And I, I don't think I talked for like two hours after it hit. (laughs) I was so self-conscious. And I was so high and I'm not even sure I vocalized that to him. Like we were just eating. So I mean, it's and and Paul's good for me because like (laughs) Paul seems to be okay with not expecting a lot of conversation. But yeah, it's very high and was like, oh, no, like it's not okay. So it's really even if you know the strength of what you're having, it's so hard to predict or really know how it's going to affect you. So Mm -hmm. even knowing that dosage, is very nebulous very, yeah nebulous is exactly the word I was thinking is it's nebulous because and I guess if you're a data person like I've become in my old age <laughs> the good thing is is that if you track that sort of thing through like a tracking app or if you just have your own like journal or something you would be able to tune that over time but it would take a lot of experimentation and because everybody's so different in regards to this in conclusion while you can calculate out a dosage,
0: may or may not help you. <laughs> right. Right. And either way, whether you know the dosage or not, there is a big difference between having consuming something that's just THC and consuming something that has a little bit more of that like collective plant property which means cannabinoids and terpenes. And then what are we drinking today, Gretchen? Today we're
1: drinking Aperol Spritz with uh Oh,
0: I thought you'd sorry, go ahead. Though I
1: made my Aperol spritz with the Vino Verde.
0: Oh, fun. I yeah. didn't get that that's what was happening. I thought you were just going to drink Vino Verde. No, 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 no. I know. I'm following
1: ah, instructions. Cheers. cheers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've got to finish off my <laughs> bottle of Aperol. My goal is to clean off my bar. That's a noble goal. So now you know what we're both drinking and <laughs> what we've already consumed. We and want to catch up just a little bit.
1: <laughs> I, I was going to say, and a few other things that, you may not have needed to know
0: right now but we told you anyway yep but they were clearly on our minds enough to say it out loud related absolutely now that we've shared a little bit more about what we're enjoying we hope you also pick up something to enjoy or have been already as we kick off our consumption part two Gretchen can you give us a musical version of consumption part two (laughs) the way that you did on consumption part one
1: consumption part two (laughs) (laughs)
0: it has been a long time. We apologize. We had a lot of other stuff going on and we were like, I guess we should actually finish up our consumption series, which part one was to remind you again, real quick was about inhalation and in particular smoking and vaporizing. So we talked a little bit about how endocannabinoid systems respond to both of those. And now in part two, we're really going to get into ingestion through eating, drinking, and pills so we'll finish out our last section part three on topicals next time for this Section Gretchen does most of the research on this, so I follow along. I've got some questions prepared. I'm really excited to learn. I've had a peek at some of her notes and I'm super excited, but she does do a lot of the research on this. We're going to spend the majority of our time focused on eating and drinking, and then I'll jump in a little bit and talk about how these processes and things work for the pill version. We do try to incorporate now some kind of new learning that we've had. This one, in particular. We wanted to mention because it's something we're working on and it also feels like it's an opportunity to share a preview of what we want to do eventually, which is talk about what we're calling the fucked up history of cannabis perceptions in the U.S. (laughs) As a part of that and as, again, sort of a preview, we're going to try to stop saying the word marijuana. We, we do use it. We're trying not to. And so we want to make our intentions known and saying it out loud helps hold us accountable. We have seen a lot of words for cannabis from weed to pot. I saw broccoli today. <laughs> I'd never heard that before. That was kind of fun. The word marijuana itself isn't really inherently bad but it has really often been used in a derogatory and sometimes racist way. Continuing to use it is ignoring a history of oppression, especially here in the U.S. And that's just what we're doing, but we definitely encourage you to do your own research and decide what language feels right for you because some people do intentionally use the word as a way to acknowledge that the oppression has taken place and if we remove that word, then we possibly remove the memory of it and we don't want to erase that that oppression happened. And it's sort of a way to reclaim ownership, but the communities that are using that word, Gretchen and I as white women don't fall into. So we're gonna try to stick to cannabis. Just to give a real quick background on um, in particular, why we've decided not to use this word is that cannabis has been used in the US pretty much since the 1840s and was used in a medicinal way to treat a lot of different ailment. But it wasn't until the early 1900s that it became controversial. And the article I was reading was also interesting, but it said it didn't become controversial until the early 1900s when millions of Mexicans migrated to the US following the Mexican Revolution. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they were already here. And we just said, no, this is America now. <laughs> and we'll fight you for it. So like
1: migrated to was a little confusing to me. I'm, I'm sure just to, to break in for one second, but I'm yeah. sure there was some further migration that probably like exposed more people to Mex- Mexicans. I think maybe, maybe just more people were aware of Mexicans in general and that's not the point. That is not the point of this whole thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a different culture was suddenly more pervasive. Yeah, visible, exactly. So then in the the 1930s to the 1960s, which this is 30 years with one guy in particular in charge of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. 30 fucking years, three decades, we've got one old guy in charge of something. Sound familiar? Oh my God. This guy, Harry Anslinger, gets like all pissed off and he decides that marijuana, quote, influences darker skinned people and encourages them to commit murder and other violent crimes. Not white people, of course, just other people that he he decides other. So he launches this campaign against cannabis, associating it with, quote, inferior races and social deviance. And this is like the whole, what do you call it, panic? The, uh... Oh, oh, oh no! uh, What is it? Oh my god. Um... That movie, like, Isn't it Madness. Uh, Reefer, Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. <laughs> yes, Reefer Madness. It's like, exactly. wait, it's so fucking funny. Yes. The name of I'm it like, is so funny. Oh my fucking God. Funny. Oh my God. Okay. Reefer. So like, <laughs> right. So everybody decides it's bad, and Congress passes a marijuana tax act, making it illegal at the federal level. And since then, this idea has been perpetuated through our government and through other avenues. And they've really tried to push that cannabis is something to be associated with criminal activity. And all of this is still because some guy from 1930 to 62 was setting policy. Just something to keep in mind as you use this word. It's something we're going to work on. We'll probably slip up. We hope you bear with us. And again, if this is a word that means something different to you and you feel comfortable using it, go with it. We just wanted to let our gluttoniers know where we were standing on this right now. So that's our ugh, longer than I wanted it to be, but our sort of learning that we've come across since we last quested. So with that whole stage set, Gretchen, can you please kick us off on the flowing off the tongue title, Digestive Track Consumption? it's digestive tract absorption. Oh, absorption. It's, yeah. Consumption Sorry. part 2 digestive, digestive. tract absorption. absorption. Yeah. But I do feel like that
1: describes the episode the best.
0: We like so, as much accuracy as we can provide. It's not going to happen all the time. Let's start
1: out with some facts and and this is sort of it, more like uh Gretchen's sort of express history lesson <laughs> yeah. i may wa- I may wander a bit because i did get like really like started wandering down those rabbit holes of oh what? this thing and oh <laughs> so we'll see we'll see what we we end up with here <laughs> try and keep it short <laughs> so uh the earliest known the earliest recorded cannabis consum- consumable on on record because who knows people might have just been Consuming away without writing it down. That seems likely. We didn't write at some point. We
0: didn't write. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In the scheme of things, we've been writing fairly recently. So, as far back as 2000 BC, there is a preparation from India called Bang, spelled B H A N G. And I did Google the pronunciation this time. Go me. I've I've done the homework, (laughs) and I initially thought this was the name of the yogurt drink, but upon a little bit further research, it's actually the paste that's made from the cannabis leaf. So we do, per our discussion on the plant uh, a while ago, (laughs) (laughs) we do know that that would be a lower level of THC if you're making a paste out of the leaves. So you know, you're not gonna—it's—it's not quite the same as edibles today. Once you start thinking about it, but then taking that paste and. And they will use it in for the most part, it's mostly used in these Bang shops that they make a they make these yogurt drinks. Now it's also used for like little you can mix it with like ghee and turn it into little tablets and just eat that. So it's like kind of like the one of the first forms of cannabis pills. But it's typically used more during holy and hopefully my pronunciation is not horrible, just mildly bad. So it's Maha shivarati. Rot, uh, ah, sorry shiva rat tree so you, it's more of a special time of year type thing but it, it, available all year from what i read i think this is still a thing not 100 percent sure seems to still be in use and still quite popular that's our oldest consumable cannabis preparation and then in the 11th century this cannabis jam i didn't look up the pronunciation of this i'm gonna say Majun, so it's a jam that they like there were lots of different recipes for it but mixed nuts and seeds and all kinds of things together and made kind of like a spread for various things so that that's the next oldest preparation of cannabis for an edible form now we're going to jump all the way forward to when the printing press was or after the printing press was invented and the very first printed Cookbook in the Western world. And the first printed mention of a cannabis edible. Of course, I did not look so far to what the mention actually was. It's a, <laughs> a book called On Honorable Pleasure and Health. So it was written by Bartolomo Palatina. He wrote it in 1465. And then finally, the first mention in an American cookbook is hashish spelled in the weirdest fucking way. I've never seen hashish spelled this way, but I'm sure somebody does where somewhere. Hashish fudge printed in the Alice B. Toklas cookbook in 1954. Now, the domestic American version, the first printings did not have this hashish recipe in it, but when it was reprinted later in the 60s, they did include it. And so during the 1960s, her name actually became synonymous with hashish edibles and so like was a really big thing I I, was like, I never heard of this. Like, but I also reminded myself I was not alive in the 1960s, and we were in a much different world by the time I was even born.
0: And she was Gertrude Stein's life partner.
1: Yes, and and she actually got the recipe from someone else, but I don't remember his name right now. In an effort to bring this to the end of the whirlwind facts, not very whirlwind, but <laughs> interesting though. Mm-hmm. Long um, history. Long history. Yes. Well, I mean, cannabis has been used by people for a long ass time, as far as we know.
0: Right. very interesting to hear this 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 way of consuming though Mm. i never really i had always just assumed smoking possibly for a long time but hadn't really thought through like if people were cooking with it or using it in a different way like a paste or a jam that was really cool
1: there's nothing new in this world so we you know (laughs) cannot claim that anyone in recent history invented can- cannabis consumable. There you go. Yeah. Or cannabis edibles. They're all consumable. It's just how. <laughs> right. Uh, just a quick reminder. These will come up a little bit, but are, they are definitely not the focus of today's episode that we have our cannabinoids, THC and CBD being the most common ones, pretty much the only ones that come up on a regular basis on this podcast. And the terpenes are resp- responsible for the effect of um, effects, aroma and flavors you experience while consuming cannabis. And very importantly, they are activators of your own endocannabinoid system. And we will be referencing throughout this episode. I should stick to the script sometimes. It's a good thing. <laughs> Check out our past cannaquests on cannabinoids and terpenes. They're two separate episodes for more information on these components of your experience. <laughs>
0: And another quick reminder is that the medical benefits of THC are thought to provide relief from chronic pain and can often replace the sensation of a muscle relaxant and can help with decreasing aches and tremors. It's also thought to be helpful for managing nausea, weight loss, improving sleep, and combating the symptoms of PTSD, which is very interesting. So let's move into... Uh, I have a couple of questions about eating and drinking and consuming edibles or consuming cannabis this way. So what exactly are we talking about here when we say an edible or a drink, what does that look like to a consumer like myself? I, th- I think, well, I think most of the time
1: when people think
0: edibles, they go brownies,
1: pot brownies. And this, and this is due to, to, to Alice's recipe. That's why pot brownies are so popular is wow. Wow. interesting side note. I actually read the recipe, one of those old timey recipes where it's a fucking paragraph and it's fucking right. weird.
0: but <laughs> and there's almost no real like serving size or like yeah. ingredient amount. Yeah,
1: no none whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> but somebody in the comments pointed out that it's very similar to the the jam, the cannabis jam I was talking about that was developed in North Africa in the eleventh century so it's uh, like nuts and like other things like all mixed together with the chocolate and so it's it's definitely not quite really a brownie but yeah so that's that's where that came from that's why it's so so ingrained because apparently this was just the thing that everybody was doing in the 60s so thank you thank you hippies
0: thanks alice but
1: these days the sky's the limit so y- you're talking about you know the one way i had never i I had not really thought about consuming was alcohol infusions other than straight up tinctures which we're going to include as part of our topicals episode because it's tech the way tinctures work is technically topical we're not going to get into that right now but yeah having a cocktail with cannabis infused into it this is becoming a lot more popular there's also just beverages you can buy with alcohol without alcohol and all kinds, all kinds of edible things. So from like Becca's candy or a cookie or the pasta I made a few weeks ago, the edible market has really, really opened up. And I'm really curious to find out more about the pill forms because that's not something I've interacted with a a lot. I was kind of looking at some menus the other day to sort of see what was out there, but it's just not something I thought about.
0: And then who would you say benefits from consuming cannabis this way? I think anyone can. But if I have
1: to pick a group of people, the fact that cannabis is processed more through your whole body. You're going to find people that experience chronic pain or have something that's more body involved will probably get more advantage out of an edible than somebody that's maybe just trying to deal with anxiety and that sort of thing. Because that slow roll up to the high could not work real well with like, I would say anxiety in particular,
0: (laughs) but right.
1: But so that would be the people that would most benefit. But once we get into some of just the general benefits of eating it, I feel like people will be like, I really should be eating my pot. (laughs) So I think everybody, everyone, the answer, the simple answer is everyone. Everyone. Right. everyone.
0: Everyone can. And if you're looking for some specific things, this can provide a real outlet for you. Why would you say this is more or less effective than smoking or topicals?
1: The real advantage to the topicals and the smoking is that it's fast, it's faster. But when with that faster experience, it also goes away much quicker, like you don't get as much into your system. If you're looking for slightly more medicine efficiency, eating it is going to give you that longer lead up, but it's going to last a lot longer in your system. I wonder if that has to do with like digesting as well. Like you're just digesting and like little bits, like it's a longer infusion time.
0: Along those lines of more or less effective, what would you say are just like straight up pros of this kind of consumption?
1: You're not smoking, which is if you talk to my doctor especially she's very against the, the smoking part of it and most people at this point have accepted that any smoke is smoke it's not really good for your lungs it doesn't matter that it is not a cigarette <laughs> you're sucking things particulate matter into your lungs on purpose now part of this is also that when you eat an edible you get 35 percent of the available thc versus if you're smoking it, and this is the same numbers I've seen for topicals, you're getting a 15% uh, absorption rate. So, the 100% available THC and CBD, you're only get, you're only get, you're getting 30 15% when you smoke it, and 35% from an edible. So there's a, a
0: yeah, it's a huge difference. Real um, quick, you said um, it's a different THC level absorption. Is it just THC and CBD, or is it also terpenes too? Is it the same absorption rate for both, or was that primarily focused on THC absorption?
1: I didn't see anything about terpenes. Okay. Like nothing about terpenes, what I was doing, any re- any of this research for the consumable stuff.
0: Well, we don't know. I mean, we know how it, our body responds to terpenes, but we still don't know a lot about what the activation is of terpenes with our system, Right. Right.
1: This is probably just one of those times where the fact that we haven't had legal cannabis or legal studies-
0: Until very recently.
1: Until very recently. You get that higher absorption rate. You get a longer lasting high from the cannabis, from edibles versus topical and smoking. You only have maybe three hours because it just it metabolizes much faster. Sorry, I, how long does it last with edibles? Anywhere from three to 12 hours. It depends on a lot of factors because you've got uh liver function if you've eaten anything so like if it's being digested with a bunch of other stuff if you're hydrated if you're dehydrated it won't your body's not working as efficiently now for pills medical cannabis patients sometimes opt for pills because they can provide a potent dose with long-lasting effects Yes, guess you would really know better than i would because you did the actual pill research but <laughs> uh, i assuming that, that that they're using much more concentrated forms because we all know that cannabis stays in your system for like three weeks that's why they're like if you're going to take a drug test it'll show up for three weeks after you've had a dose those things are staying in your body and you got your medicinal benefits that can last anywhere from 12 to 24 hours because after 24 hours you're really your body's you're not either, digesting at some point we'll have to get into like how does how does cannabis get out of your body like but like because I did come across a few articles with like where I was trying to get some of that more medical stuff of like being able to explain like the journey through the body. So it did mention the elimination methods and so.
0: So those are a lot of the positive things that you can get or sort of positive reactions and responses and along those lines, what is really beneficial about using. edible slash drinking slash pills. Some of the negative things though, or some of the cons are that like we've mentioned, it can take a while. Sometimes when you are ready to just be relaxed or deal with some anxiety or go to sleep or what have you, it can take a while. And so that can be a little bit challenging. Gretchen, you put this note on here that CBD can degrade some in the digestive tract.
1: Yeah, I came across that and specifically, and it was interesting because it did say that it was more specifically than THC. And I'm not sure if it's, not just because you have a much higher THC level to CBD level. In the first place, if you're losing any, you're probably losing pretty much all of it. So they said that there's just, for some reason, when it enters the digestive tract, it degrades much faster than the THC. I didn't find a real good explanation on why, but that's good to know, especially if you're doing something where you want that high CBD, that you, you need to be probably taking a fairly high dose of a CBD something to make sure you're getting the benefits through there your digestive tract. Otherwise, you might want to go for some other form of CBD for efficiency sure. sake.
0: <laughs> sure, right. Because like Gretchen said, there's a lot of factors at play including how much you've eaten, how hydrated you are, and just generally other things about your body that are unique to you as a human. That can make it a little bit a little bit hard to determine how you're going to react every time. It makes it a little bit difficult to control the circumstances and sort of track what your own body's responses will be. So I'm still confused about how this process works. How do we actually go from cannabis plant flour to all the things we're talking about now?
1: Oh, man, do you really want to get into that right now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We have to. And this is I'm so excited to hear about this. How do we get our
1: flour into our bot? well into a edible thing? We're going to do first step is you have your plant material, you need to decarboxylate it. That's heating it. There's lots of different methods, but you've got to get it heated up to activate the THC. So that's your number one step. Then from there, and we're focusing exclusively on oil and alcohol, alcohol infusions today because they work sort of similarly. And this has to do with the, the molecules. So a THC is a nonpolar molecule why it doesn't bind with water is that water is all about being polar. It does not like anything that is not polar. They don't the bind system. well
0: together. Right. Or at all. They don't like each at other. At all. Yeah. Get away from me.
1: It's like, don't even bother coming over here with that crap. Like that I'm not going to get in with it. It's not happening. When you see it come across like a water product that has cannabis or, you know, they're always usually infusing some sort of oil base into that or some pure like extract it's not but it's not really together (laughs) got it both alcohol and oil are also nonpolar. so that's why you can use those things to carry THC because it's actually like oh we can all hang out together this is cool like basically it's like the THC goes oh all right like you're kind of fun like we're hanging out together we're getting to know each other i'm gonna go with you guys this is great i'm gonna leave this plant material behind go over here and hang out with the soil <laughs> hang out with this oh.
0: alcohol so <laughs> but water get the fuck away from me.
1: Yeah. Water's like, get the fuck out of here. I am no fun. I don't want anything to do with the fun. I did come across an ethanol extraction article that was talking about why ethanol is so good at this. It was going, oh, because it'll like make everything neutral and like remove all the aromatics. And so I was like, well, that's sort of doesn't make sense for all the stuff that we've kind of been researching so far. Although I do think we've probably got a little bit of hippy-dippy hippie bias where we're like, we want the whole plant and the whole... Like, <laughs> right, right. May not be a
0: totally scientific thing because we just don't have the data on that. Does that make right. sense? I think so. It also makes me think of when you're saying that it sort of neutralizes fragrances and aromas and stuff It feels to me like that's beneficial if you're using it medicinally because maybe you're extra sensitive to certain flavors and smells and stuff. And so the removal of that could be really beneficial. But for you and I who want to experience all of it, it feels like they're removing something from us.
1: Right, exactly. That's why. like I'm, I'm actually a little bit after I read that article, I was like, I'm a little wary of like rape pens and stuff now where, you know, they, they don't ever, I always want them to work really well. But yeah, so I I I wonder if maybe that has something to do with why to me I always want to like a vape pen because of the convenience and the ease and you know yeah lack of maybe identifiable smell which I hadn't really thought about is that it doesn't come across as being as cannabisy as flower cannabisy <laughs> yeah very
0: scientific term
1: that just occurred to me that that might be why I don't enjoy a vape pen quite as much as I I enjoy smoking flour. And why I think maybe some of the industrial produced edibles that I've had maybe don't quite hit for me is that maybe I need that entourage effect from terpenes. But again, you had brought this up before we started recording. All of what I've read was specific to cannabinoids and nothing talked about terpenes. I think I might have to do a little more research about like how you extract terpenes.
0: Well, I think because you and I have spent the majority of our cannabis consumption careers as flower consumers, we are still learning more and more about other types of consumption ourselves. It's really interesting because... I never even paid attention to terpene until yes. last year when we started talking about it. Yeah.
1: So yeah, that it's also a newer thing that people are considering in the cannabis world. There's probably not enough research on it yet to know. Right. That.
0: And it makes it complicated for us as people who are looking to it as medicine, because like you said, like sometimes... There's a convenience with vape pens, but maybe we're missing something from not having the terpenes. And sometimes we need the edibles for other reasons. And in the same way, like maybe those pharmaceutical edibles don't have terpene. I find it so interesting, this journey we're on of not only discovering how our own bodies are responding, but also just trying to get more and more knowledge about the super many facets of, of a cannabis plant and the way we respond to it.
1: All super interesting. I was like, damn, I didn't know how much I didn't know. Like, I thought I had a decent handle on uh, the whole cannabis edible thing. And I was like, fuck, I don't know shit.
0: <laughs> right? I know. I'm learning as we go, even right now. Can you tell me, like, step by step, how you would do this, though? Like, when you're making a butter, what does oh, that my, look like?
1: My exact. Okay. So I'll tell you my exact process because there, if you use the internet or have multiple, edible cookbooks like I do, you're going to have lots of options. I think my preferred method. Now, this has also changed due to my discovery of the magical butter machine a few years ago. I will promo without any sort
0: of compensation, but compensation. we'll take it one day. Maybe hello, yeah. magic butter machine hi, people. Hi, hi, magic butter yeah. machine people. I love, I love your product. Let's help um, each other. Let's have a little other. endocannabinoid system reaction cohesion together. Yes,
1: I, I've gotten really fancy in the last year i bought the magical butter decarbox decarbox that's what it's called decarb box so it's a heatproof silicone box that seals. It has a thermometer that comes with it. So you can track your temperature. So you can be very specific about, I want my pot to get to this temperature. And then I've not been able to quite find the perfect balance of being able to maintain a temperature at a certain point. I'm still working on that. But I put my pot into my, my decar box, put it in the oven. I've been liking it at about, my oven at about 250 right now. That's been mostly what I've been doing in decar box for about 40 minutes to an hour (laughs) depending on if I'm high or not and I remember to get it out of the oven that's usually the problem the nice thing about the decarb box is it does seal in all of your aromatics. unlike some of the other types like just toasting it in a pan which I've definitely done this you could also toast it in like a glass dish if you put like a foil top that does help retain some of your terpenes and your aromatics but the, the benefit of the decarb is it is a silicone box that seals. After you've cooked your cannabis in your whatever contraption, you let it cool in that sealed container so that you don't release any of your volatilized aromatic when you open the box, because that will definitely happen. Once it's hot, it, you know, that shit's gonna go everywhere. Keep it in the box, it'll go, it, some of it will at least go back into your marijuana. Ah, your cannabis, see? It's a hard, that's gonna be a hard one. Once my decarboxylated flour is cooled down, the nice thing about the Magical Butter Machine is that you put your fat or your alcohol substance into the machine, dump your flour in. You do not need to grind it first. In fact, they recommend you do not. And the Magical Butter Machine has this little blade, like a little, uh, yeah, a little blade. It's like a really small immersion blender attached to a lid. It heats up. So it's temperature controlled. You can pick no heat. And I think it goes from like 160 to 220 are your options there. And then your butter just heats in this contained, self-contained thing. It does help cut down on some of the smell because when you're doing this in like an open top container, that smell is going to get everywhere. The Magical Butter Machine does really do a really good job of keeping those aromatics in there.
0: What if you didn't have a Magic Butter Machine? Is there a way to contain that smell without it?
1: You can minimize it. I mean, just using a pot with a lid <laughs> gonna Okay. gonna help. Uh, helps okay. Up. Obviously it's not completely airtight. I haven't done a lot of research on this. I would think you'd be able to do this with a sous vide if you had one interesting because you could put a sealed jar of oil now this only applies to oil you cannot if you're doing alcohol infusions never ever heat a sealed jar it will explode there there are options for doing especially for oil because it's not as volatile as alcohol right <laughs> alcohol is a little more tricky but definitely not out of the realm of possibility so yes you can probably make butter
0: and yeah it'll be hard to keep the smell out without got it some kind of dedicated machine right okay one more question when you say alcohol in this situation do you mean any kind of alcohol is there a particular alcohol we're talking about with these infusions you can use any alcohol but okay. the higher proof
1: the alcohol is the better the extraction will be so, so everybody's
0: supposed to use Everclear. Yeah. Just <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs>
1: but depending on where you live that may not be you may not be able to find it I had come across this in an article and I guess I had not realized this guy's name is Warren Bobro. I thought it was Warren Barrow. Yeah. Like, is that a typo on their part? But they wrote it multiple <gasps> times. I guess I never noticed that that was actually a B, not an R in the middle there. So he wrote a book. He's written several different books. This is his Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails and Tonics book.
0: Now, why was I
1: recommending this?
0: I had asked what alcohol is. Oh, <laughs> it, what kind of alcohol you, It is a preferred method or what you mean when you say alcohol?
1: Okay, thank you. So he, he does a really good job. He also does really well with the descriptions of his infusions and keeping those doses at the right level so that you're not going to get yourself real fucked up off of one cocktail. <laughs> Backfire. So he uses, he's like basically any kind of alcohol will work. Just, you know, the higher the proof, the better, the more extraction you're going to be able to get, because do I need to explain, explain alcohol proofs? No,
0: no. Thank you. It's not going to absorb. Ah, yes, it will. Yes, it will. It's alcohol. You always can absorb alcohol. <laughs> he he,
1: just is like whatever alcohol you want. The higher proof, the more THC you're gonna get.
0: So any alcohol works. The higher the proof, the better. You can do oil. You can do alcohol. You can do butter, but it either has to be alcohol or something kind of like fatty, because
1: they have the right kind of mo- the the right kind of non-polar molecules. That's the the key.
0: They like the same bars. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? So our flour goes into the
1: magical butter machine with your substance of choice. For oils, it's going to be a little bit higher heating. For If you're making a tincture in there, it's a little bit lower, 160. And because that's the the temperature you can keep it at where it's not, it can be a sealed thing and not explode. That goes on for a couple hours. Usually alcohol infusions take about two. Your butters are usually a little bit longer. Whereas like if you're doing something with olive oil, you're probably going to use a slightly cooler
0: temperature. So similar to cooking, everything still has a different kind of burn point. You're p- still paying attention to what that level is. So regardless of if you're doing it in a magic butter machine, this stage, it temperature control is kind of important.
1: Yes. So after that four hours, or two hours or however long, once your magical butter machine tells you it's done, you remove your flour and oil mixture. We'll just say oil for simplicity. And you're going to strain that out, preferably through a pretty fine strainer. So you're not going to get any plant material in the actual butter itself, just the THC.
0: And then your butter- Just that, just that THC infused oil. Okay. And then your plant material can be chucked. Okay. Interesting. So that's how it works. It feels complicated because you're explaining the science behind all of it, but it's really just four or five steps, right?
1: Right. And, or if you're me and then add an additional step on after where, while it's the butter, if you're using butter specifically and it's cooling down, you're whipping it with a hand mixer to make sure that it emulsifies so that you can use it as whole butter. But that's just me being fancy.
0: That's, that's exactly why we call you the Mad Gretcheness. Mm-hmm. And it's why I get so excited to do these Canada quests with you because <laughs> you've tried so many things already. And I love hearing your experiences. I have to say, I let,
1: the Magical Butter Machine has really changed my butter making experience. Like I didn't used to do it as often, but now that I have a machine that uh, really helps with that. Yeah, it's great. It sounds pretty impressive. And you can use your butter at any time. I mean, typically what I do is I make large batches and then put those in the freezer. And so that way I have kind of a supply that I can draw from for a few months. And then once I learn low, I can do some more. It also depends on like my flour supply.
0: (laughs) Right. Your availability to create the butter. What shape are they in
1: when you put them in the freezer? How do
0: they come out?
1: Well, now I have the magical butter machine tray. Butter tray,
0: naturally. What if you didn't have that? Is it
1: kind of like... You could do whatever. I have another silicone. I use a silicone tray. I mean, so the butter. butter machine butter tray is a silicone tray. I mean, you could use ice cube trays, but with silicone because it's flexible and your butter is gonna be hard, gonna get a lot better results with something flexible
0: and that's how I handle my butter but then so I did a uh, olive oil so real quick so with the butter you essentially just pour it into whatever mold you have if you yeah. have a mold ideally it's silicon or you yeah. can measure it out any other way
1: I mean you put it in jars or whatever it's entirely uh, sure. up to you because I definitely used to store it in like jars and just have it, jars of it in the freezer but when I can make little individual cubes it's a lot easier to manipulate it and move around. <laughs>
0: right and, and like you said control the portion so you can just eat the oil or uh
1: put it in food that's uh, or put it make it you know if you're doing alcohol then have a cocktail we've done that before
0: yes we have and you literally put cannabis oil into pasta when we made cacio e pepe so exactly so versatile
1: but but now why don't why don't you tell us a little bit about like pills and
0: what all is involved in
1: that because i don't i know nothing
0: ditto. I knew nothing before this. I know a little bit more now. I obviously am not an expert, but I will tell you that there's basically two types of pills and this is not going to be a surprise, but it's natural versus synthetic. Similar to what we're talking about with creating edibles at home with your own flour versus pharmaceutically produced edibles. So there are two real distinct types and with natural pills, it's very similar to what you've been talking about. You decarb your flour, and then you can literally put that decarbed flour right into a capsule, or you can infuse it and put that into a capsule. But essentially, it is not that different of a process from what you've been describing, but it's just put into something more in a much smaller version that can be the natural pills can be tough for people who have sensitive digestive systems. And it sounds kind of tough in general to me. Like, I'm not sure that I just want to kind of like, I don't know, I guess it's not that different than drinking the oil, but it felt just kind of like harsh to me. (laughs) I'm not sure why. Natural version of pills. And then there's a synthetic version. Most of the synthetic versions that I saw were very THC specific. So again, kind of what we've been talking about with some of the pharmaceutically produced edibles, what I saw was kind of along the same line. And there's two real varieties of these. One is called Nabalone. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Either. And the other one is dronabinol. Obviously, these are hard to say cuz they're synthetically produced. Marinol is like a branded version of these. So, I would say mm. it's like Advil or something. Okay. So, this is really used to treat like very specific thing, like side effects from AIDS and cancer and synthetic pills like this Advil Marinol do evoke similar endocannabinoid responses in people, but they don't actually contain THC. So it's totally synthetic, literal THC tablets are technically illegal. And synthetic drugs like this Marinol are not. And even those are FDA approved for medicinal purposes. So the natural version is illegal, but the pharmaceutically produced one is not. We all know why that is. Fucking pharmaceutical companies. Exactly. If you do have really concentrated versions of THC or medicinally created THC, is really helpful for very specific medicinal purposes that have to do a lot with sort of not just anxiety and not just pain, but a very specific pain, AIDS, cancer, like very specific side effects. So these have clearly been engineered for purposes, Mm. but it's still so curious, like we've said, that this like natural version, which could probably also help with those things maybe not as targeted but that natural version is not legal so it's hard to talk about cannabis and not get quote political because everything is woven it. into it it's been politicized
1: for so long in such crazy way that yeah that's it's pretty
0: impossible why is that bad but this is okay and they're the same thing. So I hadn't heard this before, but my research said that these kind of cannabis pills are often referred to as pot pills or cannabis capsules. I mean, I'm sure they are. I just, that sounded so like stupid to me. It sounded like some like old person being like, I know what that's called, but maybe I'm the old person saying it. <laughs> Those are just descriptors, really. They're not. <laughs> right, right. Exactly.
1: It's not like, that's what it's called.
0: That's what it is. <laughs> right, right commonly referred to as apples. No, that's right. <laughs> That's an apple. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. So that's a little bit about the pill side. The again the process is similar and then it's broken down in two different ways. I obviously have no fucking idea how the like pharmaceutically produced ones are created. Mm. But my 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 snotty answer to that is chemicals and shit. <laughs> chemicals and shit. Exactly. And then chemicals and shit happen. And then
1: chemicals and shit
0: happen. Now that I've talked a little bit about that pill side, I do have a question about how it, how all of these things are ultimately absorbed by the body.
1: The first, whatever you eat, whether it's a pill or alcohol or a food, needs to make it all the way past your stomach and get into your small intestine. That's where you actually start to absorb the the THC. And then from there, it has to be taken by your bloodstream to the liver. And and I wish I had any idea how livers work, but I don't really know.
0: Right. They're great and
1: they do stuff. They do things like metabolize <laughs> liquor and pot. If you eat it when it goes through the liver, it actually converts that THC into a slightly different form this is the uh, 11-hydroxy thc it's a slightly stronger slightly more psychoactive thc strain so that's another reason why people tend to have a stronger reaction to to edible is because your body actually turns it into a stronger chemical when it's metabolized for the liver and then once it's done that then it gets filtered through your body and sent to your your brain and your endocannabinoid system so that's why it takes so long so that you got in and depending on how quickly your digestive tract works you got a different window of time for how long it takes so you to get high i always thought it was is an hour for everyone, but heads up, you could be a two-hour person, you know, depending on how your your liver works and your digestive system, because it's gotta get to the liver first. So you have many things. Look <laughs> at all the hand gestures I can do today. So that's <laughs> that's that's the whole process of how the your your edible gets into the body and why it has that different effect is that it's metabolized twice inside your body. When you smoke, you're, it's really only metabolized once. You put it in, your lung. Your lungs absorb what it, they can absorb. Then that goes from the lungs right into the bloodstream straight to the endocannabinoid
0: system. So it's a much shorter trip. It's faster. It's basically a one-stop flight versus a two-stop flight. Yes. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's a very good analogy. Thank you. So that, that, that pretty much answers your question, right? Like I'm, I'm,
0: I think so. Uh, Got to be digested by the natural digestive process through the small intestines and then get to the liver through the bloodstream and then get to the receptors in our endocannabinoid system. I think that's super interesting too, because when you compare it to pills, there are kind of two types of release capsules. And one is called immediate release and it works identical to the process you're talking about. So the cannabinoids into the system absorbed through the stomach and the liver metabolizes it into the compound you were talking about 11 hydroxy THC. Mm -hmm. And because of this, it can have longer and a more sedating effect than THC. So like Gretchen said, it can amplify that cannabinoid. And then you have the time-release capsules, which do follow the same route, obviously, because you're still swallowing a pill, but the effects are even more delayed or more drawn out because the particular capsule shells are engineered. And they're engineered particularly to allow for that timed release. And so it protects the ingredients, neutralizes the stomach acid, and enables a slower release of the THC or the CBD into the bloodstream. I imagine if you're taking this medicinally, you get into a real routine of every 12 hours or something. It can really help manage pain. Oh, that totally makes sense
1: to me, especially if you're It's something to do with pain. Like Mm. you want that dose to be going as long as possible.
0: So right when it's regulated, you're managing it like perfectly. That when one's phasing out, you're taking. You've already taken the next one to pick up.
1: Because that then you'd have a consistent level of medicine in your system, which would be way more likely to help your digestive tract
0: those consistent levels really help manage pain
1: or bingo yeah that makes sense that way you're not doing up and down and up and down and up and down you know like it that can be very hard to deal with if, if you're dealing
0: with chronic pain i feel like we should interview somebody who uses pills pills yeah
1: they are not cheap. I no, was looking not at cheap. them.
0: They were they're very expensive. <laughs> I imagine just because there's so much process that goes into it. I don't know. Uh, sorry. Why they're expensive.
1: Oh, yes. The processing. Yeah, because you're ending up with the concentrated amount. And so you have to factor in like buy me an initial product and so on right. and so forth.
0: And along those lines, I'm gonna really talk through the different types of pills. And there's a couple, so I'm just gonna literally breeze through this. The first one is like we talked about flour. That's that ground decarboxylated flour. The next next one is crystalline, which is a powdered substance similar to table salt or sugar. Another one is a distillate, which is a runny liquid similar to a crystalline in the distillation process. And its purity can actually run from 85% to 95% with one cannabinoid. So either CBD or THC. Sometimes the plant's terpenes are reintroduced in the final product. So a distillate can sometimes have terpene. Another one is kind of like a ratio one that you'll see often that's like a CBD to THC because we know these balance each other and that CBD can help sort of negate some of the potential negative side effects of THC. This one's a really sort of targeted way of approaching that balance. Another one is full spectrum, and this does include everything between terpenes and cannabinoids and all of the available molecules. And then the last one is broad spectrum, so very similar to full spectrum. So the key difference really is that broad spectrum products typically refer to CBD Mm. that have been refined to remove all traces of THC. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So very interesting, a couple of different types. It's helped inform a little bit of my approach to seeing all of the sort of CBD products mm-hmm. that are everywhere now. I don't I still feel kind of confused when it comes to these pill types and how to distinguish and what to look for, but this has definitely given me a much stronger foundation than I had 2 days ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know
1: very much about various CBD pill products on the, the general market at this point. I don't know that those are even really, because they aren't, I want to say they aren't really controlled by the FDA. Mm. That might not be right, but so there, there's a lot of wiggle room on those, I think uh, is a thing right. to be aware of with most of those random CBD products
0: that you're going to find. Right, you've got to be a little bit intentional about your CBD products. Well, all of these products, actually. (laughs) Never just run headlong into edibles, come on. (laughs) It's time to sort of close it out. We've talked about a lot of things, including (laughs) what we're even talking about, who benefits from it, how this process happens. And in the same way we closed out our first consumption part one, we also want to close out this one with what we're calling our pro tips, which is anytime we're talking about cannabis usage, We want to reinforce best practices of harm reduction. So if possible, always be in a safe space when you're consuming, whether that's alone or with people, make sure it's people you trust. Being fully hydrated and not on an empty stomach can make a real difference in how your body responds and can really help with consistency when you're tracking your body's reactions.
1: I always, always, always say start with a really low dose. You can always have more. Very hard to go back the other way. (laughs) CBD does seem to help mitigate the effects of the THC. Balance it out. Take a shower. Just be careful you're not (laughs) <laughs> too high to stand up. By As somebody who faints on occasion when they get too high, make sure you are careful about that and eat something sweet and sugary because usually when I faint when I'm high it's because my blood sugar crashes and that the sugar does actually counteract the THC. And then uh, our handy sniff some black pepper or chew on a peppercorn uh, can help sort of either at least distract you from the high or... <laughs> <laughs> Or could yeah, even have a real effect on on <laughs>
0: the THC levels.
1: I'm not sure which. So right, but but it uh, it has been found to be
0: helpful for some people. We haven't yet tested how to reduce a a high. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> I don't think we're ever looking to not be high like that's not exactly we're we're getting high we're getting high so
0: right well thank you for joining us everybody this was so interesting to me i learned a lot in my own research i learned a lot listening from you gretchen i also think like we talked about with consumption part one it does really make me reconsider the amount of smoking i do but because as with everything with cannabis it's always complicated when you move from one path to another because I don't want edibles without THC. Where I live doesn't really give me the option of creating my own infused oils or butters, what have you. So I feel a little limited with my options of smoking, but I also realize the really strong benefits of eating it. So it is always a journey. We are always taking one step forward, one step sideways, one step. Backwards, one step forward again. So it's a jumble all the time. It's a dance, really. Forward, yeah, back, exactly. Forward, back, side, 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 forward, back. right. <laughs> exactly. We're all doing the line dance.
1: It's always yes. It's very educational. I'm I am learning a lot, even though I was like, I'm such an expert, and I really have to call, slow my roll with thinking I know anything about this shit. <laughs> So we really appreciate you all coming and listening to us talk about this and hope you you also learned some things and you can find us at highgluttony.com where we'll put all the info and our resources from this episode. And then Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube are other places you can find us and we hope you enjoyed.
0: Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Off we go, go, Clutineers!
1: I forgot to say (laughs) Clutineers. We almost did it, though! We almost did it! That was good! I know!